everybody, before we get going, just want to point to a nonprofit that we are plugging across the entire Osiris Media Network. It's called Sweet Relief. Sweet Relief is providing immediate assistance to anyone in the music industry who has been financially impacted by COVID-19. It has received thousands of applications for assistance. Applicants include artists, crew, venue workers, agents, managers, and photographers. Sweet Relief pays for vital living expenses, including medical bills, health insurance, prescriptions, utility and telephone bills, groceries, auto-related expenses, and clothing. Applicants are being accepted now. Please apply for help or, if you're able to, donate to help those in need at sweetrelief.org. That is sweetrelief.org. Incredibly important. Now, um, Now let's get into it. Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields, and we have another uh, music-centric episode here today for you. One, where I get the opportunity, unless you're already in the know, to introduce you to an incredibly talented composer, musician, and performer, Danielle Schwab, who is on the program here today. Danielle is often described as a cross-genre composer, one who writes concert works, experimental electro-pop, and film scores. She's worked with Philip Glass, The Pogues, Ben Folds, and a whole other slew of notable musicians. Danielle's most recent project, an innovative experimental band called Delanila, just released an album earlier this month called Overloaded, and it's truly something special. Overloaded is produced by three-time Grammy-winning producer David Brotrill, who has worked with um, Tool, Peter Gabriel, Muse, um, and many, many other musicians. And the album features members of Hot Chip, Portugal the Man, and John Zorn's band. Thematically, Overloaded goes deep. It is inspired by her thoughtful and often strained relationship and viewpoints on technology and of the odd times we live in, where we can often feel entirely disconnected in an increasingly connected world. Entirely by chance and to the point of awe, the ideas expressed across Overload's offerings speak to the isolation many grapple with today in the age of COVID-19. It's truly wild to listen to the album today knowing it was released prior to the quarantine life that uh, was forced upon us, but yet this somehow fashions the album even more fascinating. Sonically, Overloaded is beautiful, haunting, edgy at times, and rife with lush soundscapes and post-punk alt-pop rockers. Before we go further... I'd like to offer a taste of Overload sound. Here's a touch of one of my personal favorites entitled Fading on My Own. When all we are 
exhibit the diversity of the music of Overloaded. Here's a sample of one more song. This one's called Time Slips Away. Again, um, you're going to learn a whole lot about Danielle and uh, a whole lot about this album, uh, which I, I fully recommend, um, in this interview with Daniel Schwab. Watching friends fade into the strangest life. Welcome and thank you to the show. I'm really, really glad um, to have you on. Uh, Danielle Overloaded is uh, fantastic and I'm excited to talk about it with you here today. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm super flattered and happy to be here and even more happy and flattered to hear that you like the record. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's really wonderful. I can't wait to get into it um, uh, eventually. Let's touch on a few things first. But hey, I'm curious, um, where does the name Della Nila, is that a, did I say it right? Where does that come from? Della Nila. Um, Della it's Nila, my, yep. It's my first name thrown into a blender and rearranged a little uh, bit. I, a, you a, know what? I, I thought that might be it. Go on. <laughs> a near <laughs> anagram. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Um, so before we do get into the, to, uh, overloaded, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and, um, your background. So I'm curious, when was it, um, you know, what, what you do, your, your, the arts you're into are so diverse and, um, you know, you, you come from a whole bunch of different angles, which is really fun, but I'm curious, when did you get into the arts? Um, I don't really remember a time when I wasn't doing something creative. Um, I, I guess I started playing music, when I was a kid, uh, and then I did visual art through high school as well, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was music that stuck. So I, I guess, I think I started my parents, I, you know, I was very lucky and my parents started me with music lessons when I was quite young. So I, I had a few false starts. There was, there was a cello for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, all of the different sizes of recorders. And then, yes. um, I sang in choirs as a kid as well. And then I, my dad tried to teach me classical guitar when I was about seven, cause he's a guitar player as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sort of stuck, but didn't really. Yeah. And then because, you know, really parents should not be giving music lessons to kids, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or at least no. in my case, yeah, as no. great as, as great as my parents are, you know, not yeah. guitar lessons from dad is not, not great when you're a seven year old. Yeah, um, of course. So, so is there a lot of music in the home as well? Yeah. Uh, my dad yeah. is a guitar player. My brother actually mm-hmm. uh, builds guitars. He's doing less so less guitar building now, but for a while he was he was a professional luthier. Um, oh, cool. And then my mom is a huge fan of music as well. So there was always there was always something playing in our house. Um, mm-hmm. 
so I guess mostly from my, my dad's side, a lot of classical music and film scores. And then my mom is a big fan, a big fan of, uh, I guess experimental rock bands for lack of a better word, like, uh, you know, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and those sorts of, those sorts of artists. So there was Mm -hmm. always a wide variety of music playing in my house and I've just always been around it, I guess. Yeah. So do you, um, just kept playing throughout the years and, and honing your talents? Do you go, do you go to school for it or? I did. Yeah. So I, um, I guess I discovered electric guitar when I was probably about 13 or 14 or so Mm -hmm. and became obsessed with rock music and then also studied jazz for a little bit. Uh, and then I went to university and through a, a sort of a weird sequence of events involving uh, repetitive stress injury from practicing, I wound up in oh, wow. the, the school's composition program. Uh, mm-hmm. And it turned out that I was decent at composing for the concert hall. And so I guess that stuck. And after college, that was really what I spent my time doing. So I got a degree in classical composition and then started writing for ensembles in New York and formed my own ensemble and concert series and then really went from there. And I think, um, in hindsight, like as much as I love, as much as guitar was my way into writing music, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a composer. I think that was sort of my, that was my, my destiny, even if I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Um, you mentioned what your uh, parents were listening to, your dad, classical, and your mom, um, kind of the prog rock or experimental rock, which is mm-hmm. so cool. You know, those both worlds. And I could kind of hear it and, um, you know, what you do, too. But uh, I'm curious, what uh, what were you listening to growing up? Or more pointedly, um, you know, what uh, who would you point to as your um, musical influences or artistically your influences in general? That's... You know, I should be able to answer that question it's more loaded. definitively, <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. but it's impossible. Like I'm, I'm really as much, I'm really as influenced by say Pink Floyd and Radiohead and Tool uh, as I am Leonard Cohen and yep. Johan Johansson and Philip Glass, I guess because I'm active in quite a few different worlds, mm-hmm. I don't think I can really point to, it's not that easy for me to point to a couple of people and tie that sure. in. Uh, yeah. I mean, we don't have to listen to one thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm all over the map as well. And we don't have to be inspired by one thing. It definitely, no, that's, that's a fair answer to my very, very loaded question. <laughs> let me ask, let me ask this though. This is also, this might come off a little loaded too, but I mean, we, um, we, uh, have a mutual friend and, and writer, Jennifer Parker. I love, she, um, she was describing, uh, your work in that article she wrote for at large, um, magazine as, as indie rock, contemporary, multi-instrumental grunge rock. Um, um, it just, it's, there was like a whole, there's a whole slew of, uh, what your sound has become as we work towards talking about overloaded. What, what would you describe your, um, music as sonically? And I know you are in multiple worlds and I guess we're speaking mostly towards, um, overloaded. But, yes. Um, yep. Firstly, I love all of those words, so I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna copy and paste those into my. I like yeah, multi instrumental grunge rock, um, like mixed with contemporary. I was really feeling that, and then throw in some indie yeah. rock. It's an, yes, it's, please put that in the blender. Yep. All of that, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would add. I haven't. I don't. I don't know what box to put this project in. Um, I'd say. I like I'd, that answer. <laughs> I'd say. Uh, I've been throwing the words. Uh, cinematic, experimental, mm-hmm. rock, 
but sort of grounded in pop songwriting, I guess. Yeah. I don't like the word pop very much, but... Uh, yeah, me neither. But so, they it also are, has a negative connotation sometimes, too. It does. It really to, does. To um, hardcore fans, yeah. But I like songs with choruses, I guess, mm-hmm. and I like hooks. So as soon as you start talking about those things, you end up talking Brand about pop, song. pop. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't want to. Um, but yeah. alter- an alternative. I think that's the, the closest we've come to finding a box to put it in. But even that one, this is a much longer answer to your question that I'm sure you were planning no, on. But I, want, oh, <laughs> I, want all, I want all the long answers. Bring it. No, no uh, we're, here to, we're here to hear it all. So yeah, um, mean, we're kind of... Go on, Sorry, I mean, even alternative sort of implies yeah. that it's a bit, a bit like indie sad guy with a guitar and there mm-hmm. are some heavier guitars on it. So that makes me want to call it rock, but yep. I, I don't know. So any, any combination of those words. Yeah. I think is oh, you make me, you make me think all these, all these <laughs> words and names and genres kind of come with baggage at this point. We kind of, you know, we, we, we pin them to a certain artist or certain sounds and the whole thing. But yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's why. Um, yeah. It's kind of funny to think about that, but, um, so let's um we kind of stuck our toe in, but let's just dive in to overload and this um this album and I'm gonna I like I have a bunch of questions that kind of want to speak thematically. Um, turns out to be oddly uh, prescient as it's um it was written before uh, this COVID nineteen thing, but it speaks fully to um to isolate the you know the isolation so many of us are struggling with. I saw uh, I think it was a New York Times article where you wrote. Um, uh, you wrote this, you write some of these songs, at least they pointed to one um, during a period of self-isolation. Is that the case? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Not intentionally. I guess a lot of these songs were written... Well, I'm going to backtrack a second before I finish off yeah, that please. sentence. Um, I think in order to be... In order to really get to be a good composer or creative person in any medium... Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to spend a lot of time in a room by yourself. Uh, and there's a lot of kind of personal sacrifice, I guess, that's made in that regard. You have to live this kind of almost monastic life where you're mm-hmm. you know, working on your songwriting and trying to get to be a better producer or practicing guitar or doing vocal exercises or whatever. And it really calls for a lot of time to be spent on your own in a room um, in a way that I don't think is true if you're a professional sort of rising through the ranks at a, you know, at a law, at a law firm or something. I don't know why I'm picking on lawyers, but so, <laughs> you know, so if, you have a, if you have a more conventional <laughs> job, I guess you're around people a mm-hmm. lot more, but for us, um, and especially composers, because our job isn't always to be, you know, our job is to write, not necessarily to be out playing gigs all yep. the time. So it can be quite an, it can be quite a quite a lonely life in some ways and I don't know if that side of much as I love writing uh and always have I'm a pretty social person and so I guess that that side of things doesn't necessarily sit too well with me so Mm -hmm. a lot of these songs were written I guess during a time when I was really spending a lot of time at home working and practicing and trying to get better at what I was doing and in a weird way, this, the song sort of ended up, ended up what I was writing ended up becoming sort of self-referential and, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was a strange time, I guess is what I'm, what I'm trying yeah. to say. So it was not, it was not an intended period of isolation so much as a byproduct mm-hmm. of my job description, I guess. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. um, 
No, and that all makes sense, definitely. And and I saw you t- uh, talking somewhere about how how you know how important it is for um, artists have have time to uh, work things out on their own, which definitely checks yeah. out for for arts amongst um, across many um, you know mediums. But um, also be, beyond um, you know uh, isolation for the sake of art, art um, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, kind of ideas that ruminate through your music about, you know, being isolated, but also uh, keeping in mind that we're in an increasingly connected world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was, I was wondering if you could speak on, on how that idea, it, you know, is, you know, runs, runs through your music, you know, that unique um, disconnect that that's happening now. Sure. I mean, to start off with, I don't think you can actually write, if you're trying to write any kind of song or piece of literature, whatever you're writing, if you're writing about human connection in Mm -hmm. the year 2020, or, you know, in in my case, whatever year it was when I wrote the songs that I was thinking about, that I was, the songs in question, um, Mm -hmm. you can't really write about that without thinking about technology, just because the way that we all relate to one another is so dependent on it and defined by it. So, um, to start off with, I think it's, I think if you're writing songs about connection or a lack of it, uh, in this time you end up thinking about phones and social media and all of that and screens in general. Um, but I guess more specifically reflecting on the time when I wrote these songs, I think there's something really jarring, or at least there was for me about the, the dissonance between being on your own in a room, uh, slaving away and working meanwhile being connected in these sort of superficial ways that you know these through these platforms that make you feel as though you're connected to to everyone you've ever known you know even frankly people you probably should have lost touch with a long time ago um (laughs) but you're not connected at all it's sort of a facsimile of human connection where you're you're interacting with each other's avatars and Mm. And I just find all of that, you know, when I really sit down to think about it, it's very strange. We're, we're on our own, we're alone, but we're not. We're sort of alone together online. It's, yeah. it's bizarre. It's a weird time. It, um, it's, su- it's super bizarre. And it's, it's, it's funny. Um, I was, the next question I was going to ask was kind of, and we're just touching on it now, because like in songs like Time Slips Away, I mean, you're, 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 you know, very much challenging the listener, um, on how we spend our time on our screens. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's really remarkable right now that some of the way that we can be together, um, is through these screens Mm -hmm. and it just, it's, it's, but it's, you know, that's, you know, an extreme situation, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's clear that you, and I do too, I mean, have, um, uh, a bit of a frayed relationship with technology because I mean, as much as, uh, you know, people see that it can bring us uh, together. It is keeping us apart. And I, I hear that in a lot of music and that's, that's very, yeah. um, you know, important. Yeah. But equally, uh, how, how lucky are we that we have technology given what's mm-hmm. happening to the world at the moment? Yeah, it's, it's, I, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I actually think about that. I think mm-hmm. about what, you know, there's so many times I've, I've, 
been on a, a Zoom call or, you know, one of these house party calls with people. And it, it, I, I immediately think, what if this wasn't here and we're all kind of trapped in our, our place without that connection? And it makes me, it makes me rethink some of like the uh, um, angst I had towards technology Same. and maybe, Same. you know, yeah. I was too hard. Uh, maybe I was too hard on it. I really, because <laughs> I mean, but I guess, I guess in, in a situation where we are able to connect in person, uh, it was dividing us, and if this is the tool we have now, it's 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 something that that can be looked on more favorable now. Right. Um, yeah. I guess that's the distinction, isn't it? That in 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 normal in life, times. or <laughs> normal. Life. I don't even know if we Pre- can call it normal. The, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, no, it's 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 the, even the language of like you know people talking about going back to normal, and you're just like, what? 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 What, what is normal? What was normal? It's all. Yeah. It's let's all, say pre pre January 2020. Um, That's the way to do it. Yeah, yes. these these, yeah, the relationships that we have with our devices looked a lot different to the way they do now. So, yeah, I think I'm I'm with you that I don't know if these these devices, platforms, technologies, whatever mm-hmm. catch-all term you want to use for them, I don't know if they were necessarily necessarily serving us well socially, but I mm. sure as hell am glad for them now. <laughs> yes, so, thank 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 goodness. Yeah. Um, so I want to speak on, um, and maybe it's just a feeling I get, but um, to me, there's a there's an extreme um, and very relatable to me uh, exasperation kind of roaring off the album. Um, I hear it in like fading of my um, fading on my own, which I love. I love that track, and uh, I was wondering if if that if if I'm reading that right, it's it's it must. It, I feel like there's this this roar, this kind of uh, probably very cathartic release, but there's a lot of exasperation in the album, and I was wondering if I was reading that right, or if you could speak on that at all. On the exasperation? Yeah, it seems like it's, I don't know, it just seems like you're getting a lot of this this uh, angst uh, towards, you know, some of these feelings off. It's, I find it very cathartic listening to it. It's, 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 it's powerful. Thank you. Um, yeah, I guess it... I guess I had a lot of those feelings and then I put them in some songs. Put them in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what else to damn say. Damn right. To say about no, that. damn right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it just, it's, it's, it definitely, I, I just, it was, it was, I guess I, I, I used the word relatable. There was, there was a lot you were saying and, and the, the powerful way you were saying it. And I was just kind of like, hell yeah. So let's speak, um, let's speak, um, sonically a little bit. And we touched on it a little bit, but, uh, um, you know, if this is a we we kind of already uh, shit on the word pop, pop a little bit, but there this 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 it's it's very interesting this brand of experimental pop or whatever we're going to call it, and it's 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 so cinematic and and there's theatrical vibes to it, and um, I, I love those uh those three interludes that are they're, they're all diff, different and unique and gripping, and they kind of act as a palette refreshers, I guess I could say. But I was wondering if you could speak on um, the aim of the album sonically or anything you can tell us about that. I mean, I think ultimately I really just wanted to make a, an expansive, ambitious, sprawling songwriting project that in some way mm-hmm. tied back to my roots as a composer for the concert hall and, you know, sometimes film and TV as well. Um, yeah. And I guess just to kind of point the conversation backwards a little bit to when I started talking about, um, uh, so growing up, my favorite artists were always the ones who sort of brought something different to the genres that they were working in. So I grew up, you know, playing in rock bands and 
thanks to my mom, who I mentioned a little earlier, was a big fan of people like Pink Floyd or you know Led Zeppelin yeah. and and Radiohead mm-hmm. and those kinds of people. And I always, they were they those artists to me were always people who looked beyond the genres that they were working in to bring outside influences to their work. And I guess that's sort of what I wanted to do with this project. So it's very much a songwriting slash band driven record. uh, But I wanted to bring my composition influences to it as well. So I think that's partly why the string arrangements are quite involved for it. Uh, it felt important mm-hmm. to kind of to use those to tie back to my concert work. And then also part, yep. one of the reasons that the interludes are on there, um, both because I, you know, that's a sort of a tradition that exists in the concert world. Not that I'm the first uh, recording artist to have adopted that by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but um, so then because of that. And then also because I, uh, you know, you said the, the the record being cathartic. It's it's without the interludes in there, it's a little bit of an intense listen. And so I put yeah. them in because after I finished all of the songs, I realized that listening through the songs one after another uh, was a little bit like being a lot. in the head. And I <laughs> I didn't want to do that to anyone who was listening. That's that's why I described them as a, a palate yes. refresher, little little yeah. breather, little breather in between, which is which is nice. I, I like that you 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 saw the the intensity throughout once it's all packaged yeah. together. That was, that was, yeah, uh, well played. And then I think also there's oh, a there, go on. Um, and no then I think also uh, I because I'm I'm hugely influenced by film scores in general. Um, I mm. wanted the whole thing to have a cinematic flavor to it, and so when I was making it, I actually. I tested the the way that I would make sure that the songs felt good and the mixes felt good and everything. Uh, and just the vibe felt right was, was throwing them up against, uh, movie trailers just to see, or not even movie trailers, but just scenes from from favorite, favorite films just to see whether the production value held up, whether it had the right kind of Mm -hmm. expansive sonic quality to it and all that. Oh, I'd love to see that. That sounds that's 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 a great way to uh, uh, judge the tracks. I could, I'm sure they they slid in nicely. There, um, you spoke to the intensity a little yes. bit when they were all packaged together. There's a nice edge on a bunch of songs that I I really um, uh, dig a whole lot. And I'm thinking of uh, "Time Slips Away" and again um, uh, "Fading on My Own." But uh, that makes me think of um, one of the co-producer on the album, uh, David uh, Bertrill. Yes. Um, I, I know him from working uh, on some of my favorite tool right. albums. And, uh, yeah. But uh, how, we have to speak on him. How was it working with him? A, an absolute blast and privilege and dream come true. Nice. I mean, he's he is such a genius at what he does and also really just one of the loveliest people in the industry. And I'm, mm. I'm just really very lucky to have him around. He's become a... A, a friend as much as anything else so he's a he's a really good a good guy um and just such a it, it was such a privilege working with him in the studio he gets oh, amazing yeah. guitar sounds he's really fantastic mm-hmm. at getting musicians to sound uh like i remember i think talking to him early on he, when we were speaking about the record he's he has a really amazing way of he has kind of like a, he certainly has a sound to all of his records, but he's also really great at getting musicians to sound like the best versions of themselves. So themselves, the end result yeah. is sort of this, this 
cool combination of things, which is ultimately like personally what I want from a, a producer where he has a stamp. Mm-hmm. So to me at depth, there are moments in it where I think like this sounds a little kind of Peter Gabriel E and like this bass sound sounds mm-hmm. kind of reminiscent of some of the tool records. And, yep. um, and I sort of, we've learned, I learned some tricks along the way that, uh, I think he's been had in his bag for a long time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very much got his stamp on it, but it's, it's my record. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he's such yeah. a genius. He gets musicians to sound like the best version of themselves that they can and really pushes them yeah. to new places. And he kind of inserts a little bit of his flavor into there as well. That's awesome. Hopefully that um, wasn't an awkward way of putting that. <laughs> okay. No, good. that was perfect. And, um, not only was it, uh, probably really special working with him, but the, you have, um, you worked with, uh, uh, a whole slew of really incredible collaborators, yes. um, Aaron, from Aaron Steele from Portugal, mm-hmm. the man, um, Jennifer Cho from, uh, John Zorn's band, yes. which is, that's awesome. Um, Jim Orso of hot chip, just to name a mm-hmm. few, uh, you had a whole team here that you got to work with that, that had to be pretty special. It was great. You know, thinking about mm-hmm. the best part, I mean, you're talking to a composer who spends a lot of time sitting in a room by herself. The best part of all of this yeah. is the part where you actually uh-huh. get into the room with players and you all make up, make stuff together. So yeah, to have such an incredible creative team on the project, uh, what can you say about it? It was just really very, yeah, so yeah, much yeah, talent. Really, really it's special. really, it's, 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 I was, I was going through the list. I'm like, this is bananas. This is crazy. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, it was, um, it was very cool. And very crazy. Yeah, you, I mean, I know, I, did I read it was recorded with a live band and 12-piece string sections? Mm-hmm. So when you did get together, you guys, you know, that must have been something. Yeah, I mean, we, it was all tracked separately. So we had string yep. day and guitar okay. day and all of that. It would, it would That would have been quite mm-hmm. a sound if we'd all been in the room at the same time. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully yeah, at absolutely. some point we'll be out doing shows and I... We'll get something I know. close to that. I want to hear some of these songs alive. That's wonderful. Um, switching gears a little bit, sure. but I want to ask about this. The, the, you made that video for um, It's Been a While Since I've Been Outside. It's, uh, you made it on your phone, I, I think. That's an absolutely chilling little situation. So you, you went out there on the streets of New York and, and um, shot, shot, shot what's going down or what's not going down? It, it, the latter, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I've been in downtown Manhattan on and off for quite a long time and mm-hmm. you know I guess just I, I shot it in the earliest days of the lockdown uh while you know out for a walk by myself at a very safe social distance um sure. really just for the simple reason that I thought that New York needed to be documented um mm-hmm. it's been really as a longtime New Yorker it's been really quite surreal seeing the city as empty as it is. And, Mm um, you know, there are a lot of photographers and other, uh, I say other filmmakers, like I'm actually, I'm not a serious filmmaker at all, but the photographers, filmmakers, there've been plenty of people who've been out taking pictures of, uh, of Manhattan. But I think that music, I really wanted to find a way to communicate the feeling of what was going on. And I think that music being perhaps the most immediate art form does that in a way that still photography or like documentary film can't. Oh, yeah. And I just happened mm-hmm. to have this song. Perfect song. That, <laughs> and the, the coincidence of it all is still just, it's, it's really crazy. incredibly bizarre. Um, 
I bet uh, I bet and and just it just the thought I'm having is um I bet down the road people are gonna um think uh that you wrote this in response to They already to. do. It's so it's they already <laughs> yeah, do, right? Yeah. I know that. Like where did you you think I you you think I got a string section in my living room? I mean that's not <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thinking that you were able to pull that off now is, is absurd. But yeah, going going down the road when when they're not you know if they're not checking the date right, it's just so it's so speaking yeah, to you know the moment. Weird. It just works so well for that 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 video Thank too. You. That that's that's it's it's be- it's it's haunting, but it's really really beautiful. I love the video for um, time slips away too. I was watching that today. That is Thank that you. is that's gorgeous. Um, I have a, this is an out of left field question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it because I saw in your bio that you have a, and your bio is wild. It's, you've done so many incredible fun things, but one jumped out that I have to ask. It's um, a mention that you uh, are an assistant or were an assistant on a musical director of a workshop for the musical, um, musical with the Pogue, the Pogues are developing with David Simon. Was that in the works? I have no idea what's happening with that. That was... Yeah, but it was in, it was it in was. the works. It was. Yeah, we did a workshop or, of it. Yeah. It was actually... It was fantastic. I hope that it... I, I have, I have no it? idea whether it what whether it surfaced or not. So I really can't... Yeah. I can't speak with any authority whatsoever on this because I haven't been involved in quite a long time. But, uh, um, yep. yeah, he... I'm just glad to know it, it exists. That it sounds was, so cool. I hope really it does great. come to light. Um, I mean, I, I, I feel like I can't say anything about it, but yeah, no, no, no. I just want, I just want to know that that was like legit. I just thought that was so, that was, that was such a, I love the, the meeting of yeah. the minds between David Simon and the Pogues and just, I'm, I love what David does. I mean, who doesn't? I just think that's cool. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm just curious. I talked to um, a whole lot of, you know, artists, writers, musicians, and, and I'm getting a lot of different takes about um, just uh, you know being creative in the in this uh, thing that in in the age of COVID. Mm-hmm. And some continue to absolutely thrive, and some I some will blatantly tell me that, you know they're overwhelmed and just like you know kind of fuck this and it's just not working <laughs> working out as um, they thought. How how has it been for you creating? Have, have you been able to stay writing and and you know keep your head in that right space? Uh, it, yes and no. I mean I I've been. Yeah. Well, I mean, for one thing, I've been in the middle of a record release. So now is there's so much true. There's so much nonsense that goes on around that, that it's not really, it's not really Mm. a time to be, I'm not writing a new record in the, I mean, I I am, but not, I'm not, I'm not in my monastic writing mode at the moment, but I have been doing live stream shows and, uh, Mm -hmm. shot, you know, shot the video and everything. So I have been, I have been finding ways to make things in the midst of all of this, um, which has been important to me. I don't, I mean, I don't know. People keep talking about how this is going to be some great time for art because all of these creative people are stuck at home. But in, yeah, I I mean, in my experience, I think it, I think people are having all kinds of different reactions to this. Some people are hunkering down and, and making things to, for the sake of continuing to be defiantly creative in the midst of all this and sane as well. And other people are kind of using this as a moment to take a step back and reflect and think about maybe what they want to do in the long run. And I don't think that there's a, and some people are, you know, I talked about this with a lot of creative friends. Some people want to make things, but are very anxious about what's going on and having a hard time focusing. So really, 
I've, I've come across yeah, a lot of that, which, which makes tons of sense. It does. I don't think there's a right way to react to any of this. It's just, it's unprecedented yep. and people, people don't react in any, everyone reacts differently. So. Absolutely. Especially something. So, you know, no one saw any of this yeah. coming, but, um, uh, it must be a weird time to, to also, you know, you mentioned this is your you know time to put out your album and push it. It's also, it seems like an unfair time too. I know you probably want to be out there performing yes. it and spreading the word in different ways. So that's, that's gotta be tough. But with that said, it's, it's definitely a, a thrill for me and uh, us at Across the Margin to be able to, to talk about it and spread the word. Cause it, it's a stunning debut in my estimation. I think it's, it's eerily timely as a, uh, we said, and it's, it's deeply affecting and it's, and it's fun too. Thing rocks. It's really, it's a great album. Oh, so you. I'm happy to spread the word and, um, um, I'm really glad you came out to talk about it. This is yeah, great. Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's been, I, we could talk for another three hours and this would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, thank you again. Really appreciate it. This podcast is in the loop, the legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.